Hello and welcome. Welcome back to the Doc Bryant Show. I am your host, Doc Bryant. Well, folks, let's get the stupid stuff out of the way first. The Stephen Crowder Daily Wire situation. Uh, all right, when Stephen Crowder first came out with his uh, thing about this anonymous contract, he was very, or appeared to be very emotional about the whole situation. And he made some very pointed accusations against this organization, this unnamed organization. And he made some very interesting points and logical points. It would make sense, as I pointed out in my last podcast, that the left would want to create a controlled opposition the same way that they do in the halls of Congress in politics in general with the establishment Republicans. It would make sense that they would want to do something like that in conservative media. And so what he was saying, the accusations that he was making, made sense. And the fact that he was keeping it uh, quiet as to who had sent out this contract uh, also lend some credence to his accusations. Well, then the Daily Wire came out the next day, and uh, Jeremy Boring, the uh, one of the owners of the Daily Wire, excuse me, and I believe the CEO, came out and explained the situation. First of all, indicating that it was indeed them uh, who sent out the anonymous contract, then clarifying that it was not, in fact, a contract, that it was an offer, an initial offer. And he then read the entire thing line by line, on air, and explained the position of the Daily Wire and and how uh, each part of the offer, uh, what it meant uh, in reality, and how this is uh, similar contractual language to what the other 
Daily Wire hosts have in their contracts, similar language. And it made sense. And he also indicated, and this was the part that, that really sent up the uh, red flag for me against Stephen Crowder, was the fact that they sent this offer to him in October of 2022. And he's just now making a big deal out of it. Now, here's what I saw as far as the timeline was concerned when it came to this situation. He gets this offer in October. Then, according to Jeremy Boring, in November, he says, I'm not even going to bother basically saying, I'm not going to even dignify this with a response. I want $30 million a year and, and a completely new offer. I'm not even going to look at this. I'm not going to redline it. Uh, I want $30 million a year. Send me a new offer. Then after uh, a couple of days of consideration, Jeremy came back to him and said, you know, look, we, we just can't do that. We can't afford that. That's too much money. But, you know, let's just, you know, part ways, you know, it was a nice shot. We gave it a try and we'll part friends and that'll be that. And apparently that was it. Then in December... Steven Crowder's contract with the Blaze, a four-year contract with the Blaze, came to an end. And instead of renewing with them, he decided to leave the Blaze. Okay. Then, here in January, he decides to take umbrage with the offer that the Daily Wire sent him. And apparently, he he actually set up the uh, website um, stopbigcon.com in November. So he'd been planning this move at least since November. And if you go to stopbigcon.com, all it really is, is you put your email address in there, and it registers your email address with his mug club. And the accusation from Jeremy Boring, and actually Jeremy Boring didn't, didn't make this accusation, but it would seem like this was actually an attempt by Steven Crowder 
to A, maybe try to negotiate a, a better contract with Daily Wire, and B, increase his email list for uh, the Mug Club. And that is, in my estimation, cynical, first of all. First and foremost, it's a cynical move. It's also, in my estimation, a dishonest move. And the drama that this has caused in the conservative community is stupid. Now, it is also possible that this whole thing, all of this drama that has been going on, was actually cooked up by both of them. Just to stir the pot and get clicks and, uh, you know, make more money, I don't know. And if that's the case, it's, yeah, it's, it certainly worked. There is, it's all over YouTube. All of the independent creators are talking about it. All the corporate creators are talking about it. The only, I don't know. Um, apparently, Ben Shapiro has responded to this situation because uh, another, in again, in my estimation, a really asshole type of move by Steven Crowder was he taped a conversation between himself and Jeremy Boring. Uh, and some people would say, a, a phone conversation, by the way, and some people would say, oh, well, that's illegal, not in Texas. In Texas, it is not illegal to record a phone conversation. Only one individual has to be uh, aware of the fact that a conversation on the phone is being recorded in the state of Texas. So, you know, if, it, if there's a wiretap and nobody on the call is aware of it, then that's illegal. But if one party is recording the other party or parties on the phone call, and then it's completely legal in Texas. So we can get that out of the way, but it's still a suckhead play. Unless this is, you know, some kind of marketing thing that was schemed up by both of them. I have a hard time believing that. And one of the things after Steven Crowder came out with his initial 
uh, thing. I I wanted to see. Uh, well, no, after uh, after Jeremy Boring came out with his, the next thing that I wanted to see was how each party involved was going to behave. Who was going to try to get back to the real work at hand, which is spreading the message of right, which is advancing the conservative agenda, which is pushing to defeat the enemy of the left. And I gotta say that when Crowder came out with the uh, taped conversation, that was all the answer that I needed at that point as far as who was behaving properly and who was not and who I was going to believe more in this situation and who was not. First of all, that that was pretty much settled after Jeremy Boring came out and read the entire offer. First of all, characterized it as an offer, not a contract. So either Steven Crowder doesn't know business, which is possible. He, he's not a corporate kind of guy. That's possible. Um, and we can give him the benefit of the doubt there. That was not a binding contract. It was an offer. But also just the, the way that, observing the way that both sides in this situation have behaved themselves. Um, I am an INTJ. They're of, of the, I guess, 16 different personality types in the uh, Myers-Briggs personality uh, test. I am an INTJ. Fairly rare. And one of the hallmarks of my people is that we have zero tolerance for drama. We have zero tolerance for anything that gets in the way of getting the job done. Zero tolerance for it. None whatsoever. And that's why I'm probably coming down as clearly as I am on this issue. My, the way I look at it, if Steven Crowder did not want to accept this offer, if he thought the offer sucked, then all he had to do was say, no, and then go about his damn business.
which is Mug Club. Okay, that's all he would have had to do. But that's not what he did. He waited October, November, December, January. And then he made a big deal about it. And then he basically set Jeremy Boring up in a phone call. Now, at the very least, the very best, I can say that's stupid. The whole thing is stupid. At the very worst, I can say it was intentionally dishonest. Deceitful. And stupid. And that's where I come down on it. On the whole thing. I like what the Daily Wire does. I think what they do is good work. I think they do good work. I have not myself seen their movies. Uh, I hear they're good, but I, you know, nothing against them. I just have lost interest in watching movies, but I have heard they're good. I am glad that they are getting into children's programming. That's something that needs to be done. Children's programming needs to be cleaned up. And they are, uh, at this point, the tip of the spear when it comes to uh, non-woke children's programming. Even though they haven't released anything yet, that's what they have dedicated themselves to, and apparently a very large portion of the money that they are making. And as a business, they, their purpose, the purpose of a business, is to make money. But they are also dedicated to the defeat of the left. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. And that's my take on this situation. It is stupid. It is a needless waste of time. And the best thing that the Daily Wire can do, they have answered. And the best thing that they can do, they've they've given their answer and they need to just go back on about their business. And if Crowder, and this is going to be telling too how Crowder reacts after this. You know, if he continues throwing a fit and making a big deal about everything, then that tells me what kind of person he is. Now, if he throws a fit and then the, the wire, you know, makes more of a fit and then they keep going back and forth like that, 
then I'm going to be more inclined to think that this whole thing was kind of stirred up, you know, the, the, it was intentional between, you know, both of them came up with this idea. I, I would, I would hope that that's not the case because again, uh, that just drives me up a wall. This kind of drama is so dumb, so dumb. And the Daily Wire just doesn't strike me as that kind of business. I, I honestly, though, I can, I can say that I'm not overly surprised uh, about Crowder. You know, but there you go. That's where I'm at on that. The next thing I want to get into is one of my favorite topics. Disney. Disney is just this. This is so fast. Now, now this is some stupid stuff that I can get behind because again, I have been praying that Disney would crash and burn. I believe that Disney is the symbol of woke media propaganda in the world today. They are the quintessential symbol of woke media propaganda, which is why I am really enjoying watching them get crushed watching their stock plummet lower than it's been since 1974. And now, just when I thought it couldn't get any more interesting, we have this fellow, Nelson Peltz, come along and start to wage a proxy war excuse me proxy war against Disney to try to get on the board this is a guy who for the past uh, 15 years has done this very thing 30 times to other companies and has taken these companies that were failing and consistently turned them into companies that outperformed the S&P 500. Consistently. 30 companies, past 15 years, he has been doing this. And he has a very large stake, or his company has a very large stake in Disney. And he was trying to get on the board so that he could turn Disney around. And he created a prospectus, I guess is what it's called. I See, I don't know a whole lot about corporate stuff. But he created a report. We'll call it a report. 
that explained Disney's current position, what they need to change to become successful again, and how he could help them accomplish it. And he was soundly rejected by the board, uh, by you know Bob Iger, and to the point where instead of bringing him on the board, they hired a new guy from uh, another very pro uh, in bed with China uh, company, Nike. And I don't know the guy's name, but the, this guy is, is on the board. He's a high-ranking board member with Nike. And now he's, uh, I guess he's chairman of the board now for Disney. So you got Bob Iger, who's in bed with China. You got this guy who is on the board with Nike, who's in bed with China. And then, uh, for the most part, You've got a bunch of other board members that uh, have got uh, very, very little experience on corporate boards uh, who will be easy to influence. So Bob Iger has got, you know, still complete control over the board. Uh, he's CEO and, and he's basically chairman of the board again. So he's both, which is unethical in my estimation, because the board is supposed to look after the interests of the investors, and these folks are not doing that. These folks are not going to do that. These folks are going to do what Bob Iger wants them to do, and Bob Iger uh, is going to do what the left wants him to do. And the left wants to use Disney as a propaganda outlet specifically targeting children to weaken the United States, to weaken the West. Now, I don't know if the CCP is behind this or not, but something very interesting came out today that BlackRock which is one of three, the three biggest investment groups uh, that hold stake in Disney. The three top investment groups that hold stake in Disney, all of them are woke. All of them are involved in this, uh, in, in trying to implement a social credit system in the United States that they call ESGs which is um, uh, environmental social governance tokens or, or credits or whatever. It's a social credit system is what they're trying to implement. And all of them are using investor money to support this kind of thing. Once again, the, the thing about communism, the thing about socialism, whatever you want to call it, is that they have to use other people's money. Now, instead of using tax dollars like politicians do, they are using investor dollars. 
and they're losing investor dollars trying to push their agenda. This is the same thing that Disney is doing. They are using their investors' money to push a woke agenda that is failing and causing the company to collapse. They don't care about the investors. BlackRock doesn't care about their investors. Disney doesn't care about their investors. All they care about is the agenda. And the ultimate agenda of the left is to bring an end to Western civilization and bring about a global government. That's what they want to do. And the only thing standing in the way of that right now is the United States. The only thing that has stood in the way of that for the past century or more has been the United States. They have to bring down the United States. This is why I'm, I'm not entirely sure that the CCP is behind this. I'm, I just because the CCP is um, now partnering with India and Russia, and they are more interested in creating these uh, nation states again instead of a global communism. They are more interested in in nation states. Uh, They are opposed, apparently, to globalism. Uh, China's in bad shape anyway uh, and is facing some very, very serious problems, extraordinarily serious problems, especially in the near future. But that's why I don't think necessarily that China is behind all of this. I think it's it's a, a globalist type of thing. I think the World Economic Forum, because uh, the World Economic Forum is all for social credit system. They like the social credit system that China has, and they want to implement it globally. And that's what I think. That's who I think Disney is really in bed with. That's who I think that BlackRock is in bed with and State Street. And I can't remember the name. Vanguard, I think it is. The name of the the other big investor in Disney. But uh, that's who I think they're in bed with. And that's what I think they're all about. Is this globalism type of thing. The, the, The same globalism that is collapsing across the globe, ironically enough. So you've got these board members who are really nothing more than, and and even the CEO, who are really nothing more than avatars. They're not the ones making the decisions. They're taking orders from the people who are pulling their strings. It's the same thing with the Democrat Party. That's why everybody marches in lockstep. All of these woke people, all of these globalists march in lockstep because they are receiving orders from a very few people, if not a single individual. Certainly a a small committee, an oligarchy, 
they are given orders and they follow those orders. And that's why all of the politicians, the Democrat politicians, march in lockstep. And that is why these young, inexperienced board members at Disney are going to march in lockstep and do what they are told and not uh, not act in the interest of the investors. Now, this is going to cost them. You know, BlackRock is eventually going to fail. Oh, BlackRock has billions of dollars. I don't care how much money it, they have. Eventually, people are going to figure out that they're not making money from their investments with BlackRock or State Street or Vanguard. People are going to stop investing with them. And they're going to lose my help. BlackRock, uh, I heard uh, last year, late last year, that Vanguard for the first, or not Vanguard, I'm sorry, uh, BlackRock for the first time posted a loss, a major loss too. It was a huge loss. Because people aren't investing with them anymore. Because their investments aren't making money for the investors. They're using the money to promote an agenda. And to prove that, to prove that Disney is not an entertainment company, that Disney is actually a propaganda outlet for the globalists, BlackRock has moved to block Nelson Peltz from getting on the board or having any influence on the board. So this is proof right there that Disney is not an entertainment company. It is a propaganda outlet masquerading as an entertainment company. And I'm conflicted on this because I have prayed that Disney would as 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 the the head of the snake as it were, certainly the the face of woke propaganda would fail so badly, would collapse so completely that the name of Disney would become worthless and nobody would even want to buy Disney to refurbish it, to bring it back to its former glory, that the name Disney would die and be tossed onto the ash heap of history for doing what they have done, that that would be their punishment, and every IP that they own would burn to ash. That's what I've been praying for. That's what I've been hoping for. To make a statement 
to everybody else who is into this globalist social credit system, who is pushing for this wokeness. And wokeness, by the way, is just the term, the current term for the world system. Okay, the world system, the system that is run by Satan. That is what wokeness is. In Revelation, it is referred to as Babylon. It is the world system that is diametrically opposed to God, diametrically opposed to Christ. And so, I say let it burn. And, you know, but there's there's also part of me that's like, well, it would be really neat to see Nelson Peltz get a hold of Disney and actually turn it around. Now, that would take some serious doing he would they they would have to clean house from top to bottom but it could be done it would take a lot especially in the current economy they would have to fire a lot of people a lot of high level people but it, again theoretically it could be done And this is just, you know, what, what, what ultimately I need to be praying for is that whatever situation happens, that it would bring glory to God and glory to Christ. That's what we all should be praying for. We need to be praying for that for the federal government as well that no matter what happens in this country, that it would bring glory to God, that it would bring glory to Christ in his name. Now, there might be some out there who would say, hey, who are you to make those, make those calls? Who, who are you to decide? what's right and what's wrong. And because that's a frequent that's a frequent question of Christians from non-Christians certainly from non-Christian leftists. Who are you to decide what's right and what's wrong? Well, first of all, if you're a non-Christian leftist who is listening to this, well, first of all, I have to ask, why? <laughs> why are you listening to this? Because this is definitely not your cup of tea. Not only am I a patriot, a conservative, but I'm a Christian 
And there's no reason for you to be listening to this. But if you are, my question to you is, what do you care? If, if you don't believe in God, what do you care what I pray for? Because if there's no God, then I'm just wasting my time. So it shouldn't offend you at all. You should just be thinking to yourself, well, that's a waste of time. You know, I, I, don't, I don't get offended at people who believe in Bigfoot or UFOs or that Elvis is still alive. Because it doesn't matter to me. You know, does Bigfoot exist? I don't know. And I don't care. It has zero impact on my life. None. And so, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me that, you know, non-Christians would get all upset about me praying for anything. All right. So that's my first question to you. In answer to the question, who am I to decide what's right and wrong? First of all, I'm me. I can decide what is right and wrong for me. I can decide what is right and wrong for my kids and my family. I get to do that because they're my family and they're my kids. So that's who I am there at that level. But in general... I'm not deciding what is right and wrong. What what is right and wrong is for me spelled out in the Bible in Christian scripture. All right? Now, there are folks out there who will, oh, well, you know, that's just, you know, just the view of the Christian, and, and it, it's not necessarily everybody's I'm not saying it's everybody's view. I'm saying that's the standard that I use to define right and wrong. My next question is, what standard do you use to define what is right and wrong? Now, the answer from every single leftist, every single leftist in the world, is going to be that they don't believe in objective right and wrong, which means they do not have a standard by which to measure such things. And therein lies the problem. You see, they believe that each person should be able to define right and wrong. And I'm not, I'm not talking what's right and wrong for the individual. 
Like there are some people who can drink alcohol and it does not influence their life negatively. And then there are some people who cannot drink alcohol without negatively affecting their life. So for one person, it's okay to drink alcohol. For another person, it's not okay to drink alcohol. All right. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, is murder wrong? Is theft wrong? Is cheating on your spouse wrong? Universal concepts of right and wrong. And there are some people who say, well, I define that for myself. And what's really funny is that those definitions tend to change with time. In some cases, they'll change from one day to the next, which is rather convenient. Now, If you define your own standards, that tends not to work very well. If you just arbitrarily decide what is right and wrong, then you don't have a standard. And having standards is important. Let's talk about like a basic standard. One inch. One inch here in the United States is the same as one inch in England. It's the same as one inch in China because we have a standard. You would be interested to know that one of the greatest misrepresentations in history was due to a lack of standardization. Everybody has heard of the Napoleon complex. Basically, that really short men tend to be uh, very bombastic and uh, have very strong, uh, overwhelming personalities to compensate for their diminutive stature. The only thing is, ladies and gentlemen, Napoleon was not overly short. Where we get that idea is from a physical description of him written by somebody in a particular uh, town, and I think it was like a French town out in the country, far removed from 
the cities and so on and so forth. And in that town, in that region, a foot was 13 inches, not 12. And so Napoleon, according to the physical description given by this individual from that region, described him as being shorter than he actually was because their standard of one foot was longer than everybody else's standard of one foot. Now, in this particular instance, it had a massive effect on history itself. If you have a personal standard that one foot is 13 inches and you want to get work as a construction contractor, as a carpenter, as a plumber, as an electrician, anything that requires measurement, you will not be able to A, get a job, or B, if you do get a job, hold a job. Because in reality, one foot is 12 inches. Universally, this has been decided upon. You would be a failure at everything you do. If you hold your own personal, and, and you will not believe under any circumstances, you take a, a hard line that a foot is 13 inches. You will fail as, as a building contractor. Nobody will be able to work with you. Now, that's just a small example of what I mean. When I'm talking about standards, when it comes to morals, when it comes to morality, when it comes to objective right and wrong, if you don't even believe in a standard at all, in right and wrong, then you're just wrong. There are objective realities in life. One of my favorite uh, demonstrations of this, one of my favorite apologists was speaking at a university and when he got finished speaking, he was meeting with some of the students, and one of the students came up to him and said, you know, there's no such thing as truth. And my 
favorite apologist looks at him and says, interesting statement. Is it true? And right there in that moment, he proved that there is such thing as truth. Because if this guy's statement that there is no such thing as truth was true, then that proves that there is such a thing as truth. And if his statement that there is no such thing as truth is not true, then that proves that there is such a thing as truth. Now, if there is such a thing as truth, objective truth, then there is such a thing as falsehood. Okay? There is such a thing as right, and there is such a thing as wrong. Anything that is in uh, agreement with truth is right. If you make a statement that is in agreement with truth, you are right. If you make a statement that does not agree with truth, then it is wrong. So there we have just proven that there is such a thing as objective right and wrong. And in order, to the extent that you live your life in disagreement with objective truth, with objective reality, you will be causing harm to yourself and others. That's just the way it is. So it would behoove you to find out what is right, objectively right, and to stay as close to objective right as you can because to the, degree, to the degree that you are living your life in harmony with objective right, your life will be successful. Now, if there is objective right and objective wrong, I'm not going to get into that, but the, the fact, the, I'm going to say this. There cannot be objective right and objective wrong without God. Without God, right and wrong is up to the individual to decide. Now, we've already proven that objective right exists. That means God exists. If there is a God, 
then it is really, it's imperative for you to find out who he is and to learn more about him. Because God is perfect, objective, right. He is reality. And in order for you to live a successful life, it would behoove you to find out who he is and what that reality is. I think that's where I'm going to wrap things up for this particular episode. I want to thank you all for listening. If you are listening to this on Rumble or BitChute or Odyssey, please hit the like and subscribe button and share this out there. If you are listening to this on the podcast, on Spotify, or anywhere you can get podcasts except iTunes, then also please share this out there. If you would like to send me a message, I can be contacted on social media at minds.com M-I-N-D-S dot com, Gab, Getter, Truth Social, at Doc Bryant. And I'm on Twitter, at Doc Bryant Actual. And if you would like to send me an email, it is docbryantshow at zohomail.com. That's Z-O-H-O mail. Once again, thank you for listening. There's a whole lot of stuff going on, and so there's probably going to be another episode very shortly after this one. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you all later.